What is going on, Breakthrough Success listeners? Mark Verde here. In this episode, we're going to talk about working on your game and growing your content brand. We all have to improve our performance and look for those slight optimizations. And when it comes to building out a content brand, there are so many different directions. You can go a lot of different juggling balls that you got to do. So how do we navigate this half. That's what we're going to focus on in this episode today. We are joined by a guest who went from his high school team's bench to a nine-year professional basketball career. At the same time, our guest built a content publishing empire. He's published over 8,000 videos with his content being viewed over 73 million times and his daily podcast, Work On Your Game has over 3 million listeners. Our guest who joins us on this episode of Breakthrough Success is none other than Dre Baldwin. Dre, welcome to the show. Mark, thank you for the the great energy introduction. I'm excited to be here, so I'm glad to have this conversation. Dre, it is such a pleasure to have you on Breakthrough Success, and I really love talking about the exercise, workout, athletic complex, and how that connects to entrepreneurship. Uh, For people who don't know, I started running years ago, and that really, I thought that was going to take me away from entrepreneurship. It allowed me to do a lot more with it. So you went from being on the bench of your high school team to this nine-year basketball career. I'm wondering if you could share with us how you worked on your game to reach that point, and then how it transitioned into entrepreneurship. Absolutely. Well, you mentioned running. What what uh, distances do you do? What events do you run? I do a lot of marathons. I go for the long distance. Okay, okay. I've done the marathon twice, so this is a little bit too much training for me. So I'm I'm down to a, I like doing a like ten k's. But anyway, to answer your question, as far as basketball goes, you know, I didn't make my high school team until I was a senior, sat on the bench, and. Then in college, I had to walk on, meaning I didn't have a scholarship. Nobody knew who I was. I wasn't even an invited walk on. I literally just walked into the gym and had to prove myself from from scratch. Nobody knew who I was. And over the years, I really just wanted to figure out what's something that I can do over and over again. What's something I can do that's duplicatable when it comes to working on my game as an athlete? And that's when I started to, because mind you, I came up in the, the 1990s, early 2000s. So there's no YouTube or Instagram where I can watch somebody and follow what they're doing. So I would just go to the court by myself with my ball and just try stuff out until I figured out and made myself into a good player. And then just try to figure out, all right, what can I do over and over and over again so that I can make a system out of this? Because I knew that in order to get ahead of the competition, I needed something I could do that, that was duplicatable, do it repeatedly. And that's when I started to come up with processes for how I work on my dribbling and my shooting and all of those things. And eventually, once I became a pro and I started to get some audience online, I'm sure we'll get into that, I started to make programs and sell it to other players because I knew I created a codified system that could work for anybody. So that's really how I started when it came to working on my game. But I actually forget what was the rest of that question there, Mark, so I'll make sure I answer it. Yeah, I mean, it's really insightful how you're able to work on all these. Like, there's so many nuanced skills that you need to develop in order to become a professional athlete or successful entrepreneur. But uh, for the second part of the question, like, how did you take this, these insights, this mentality uh, from bench to pro player and then apply that mm-hmm. to entrepreneurship? Okay. So the way that happened was through, I was on YouTube and I was putting basketball videos out sporadically. This is from 2005 to about 2009. 
And the players who were watching me on YouTube, they were, it was all basketball players because I was just putting out drills on the court of me practicing. They would start to ask questions about, you know, who is this guy? Because mind you, this is way before it was cool to be putting content online for free, especially as often as I was doing it. So they would just ask, hey, where'd you play at? What college did you go to? Or were you good in high school? Because they knew I played professionally at the time. And when they found out my background, like, wait a minute, you didn't make your high school team but one time and you sat the bench and you walked on, you played Division three college sports, which is the third tier of sports for people who don't know. So a lot of these players, they start to they start to identify with me because maybe when they first saw me, they thought, all right, this guy looks so good. Maybe he was a, a superstar in high school and he played Division one and had a scholarship. But when they found out that my background was more like the guy who's not going anywhere, a lot of them identified with that because these players would tell me like, Dre, look, I got cut from my high school team, too, and I'm thinking about quitting. But you telling your story tells me that maybe I can still make it or I'm going to college and I'm not I'm not a scholarship athlete. But your story tells me I can do it. So these players would ask me about my mindset, Mark. They would ask me what kept you coming to the gym every day to work out or how do you have the same confidence to perform in a game or at tryouts that you have in practice when nobody's watching because they would have performance anxiety. Or they would ask, how'd you even maintain the vision in your mind that you could become a pro athlete with all those setbacks that you faced? And the fact that nobody besides you maybe thought you had a chance of making it as an athlete with all the, the things that you went through that showed you probably weren't going to make it. Or they would ask how I even got the initiative to even try to keep keep trying to walk on or keep trying to make it as a pro basketball player, keep trying to sell myself and get into the overseas basketball world because that world is a kind of a shadow industry. You don't really know. There's no governing body that tells you exactly what to do to get in. So they would ask me about these things. And Mark, I started talking about con concepts like discipline and confidence and mental toughness and personal initiative in my content on YouTube. I started doing a series called The Weekly Motivation every Monday. And it would be a, like a two to four minute video, just a little selfie video before selfie videos were cool. And I was just explaining to people, listen, here's a here's a mindset concept. Here's something about, you know, if you want to be the best, you got to think like the best or consistently challenging yourself. Or here's how you deal with negative people who are some people call them haters. Or here's how you can build up your discipline. Here's how you need to understand everything you want in life. It wants you to, but you have to meet it where it's at. Just these little simple pithy concepts about mindset. And I was talking to I knew my audience were a bunch of athletes. But what happened, Mark, was these topics, I wasn't making it about sports. So people who didn't even play sports started to find these videos, the weekly motivations, and they would reach out to me and say, Dre, I'm following you not because I'm trying to learn how to make the NBA. I'm not trying to learn how to do the Kobe Bryant move or dunk a basketball. But the way that you break down the mental game and mindset, you should understand, Dre, that that applies to everybody. That applies to a podcaster, an entrepreneur, an architect, a teacher, a student, somebody who's just trying to figure their life out. All of those people could use what you're talking about there. And they just wanted me to know that. So this planted a seed in my mind, Mark, that there was a whole world of people out there that I could serve with this philosophy and the philosophy I eventually start calling it work on your game. I could serve people with this philosophy outside of the sports world. Now, one thing about being a, a pro athlete is that a lot of pro athletes, when when that ball stops bouncing and when we're not an athlete anymore, we have no idea what to do next. So luckily for me, because I was talking about these mental game concepts, this was halfway through my career. So once people were telling me that those things like, hey, this stuff applies to everybody, I was still I still have five more years of pro basketball that I played after that. But I already had the seed planted in my mind for what I was going to do when I was done. So to answer your question here, when I stopped playing in 2015, I already knew what I was going to do next. I want to take this this philosophy, this, the mental part of what I was talking about 
and let me give it to the whole world. But I did not know the concept of, I didn't know about thought leadership. I didn't know about intellectual property. I didn't know about the speaking world or getting coaching clients. I didn't know anything about that stuff. But eventually I found a mentor who did know that stuff. They showed me the ropes and I've always been a student. I'm a good student. So I took a ton of notes on what she told me and I applied it and ran with it. And uh, long story short, here we are today. And one of the insights I want to double down on that Dre mentioned is he had a plan for what would happen after his professional basketball career ended. And Mm -hmm. when it comes to any job or any career path, some people want to do that forever, but you never know when it's going to end. Like for professional athletes, father time. I mean, that's just something that keeps on coming up for everybody. But you also have people who maybe they don't like their job and they're in a rush to get out. But instead of rushing to get out, do what Dre did and have an idea of where you want to go and put in some of the work now, treat it like a side hustle so it can someday become your main hustle. If you are someone who's wondering about taking that leap or you want to get out of your job, build the side hustle, start it up from there. One side hustle you guys could do is build up a content brand, something Dre has done a phenomenal job at. Three million listeners or a show, 8,000 videos. How did you pump out that much content? Because I think some people like 1,000 videos, it's like, how am I ever going to do that? But you've pumped out 8,000 of these things. How do you do it? One day at a time, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> one video one video at a time, one concept at a time, and each one builds on the next. So the thing is, when I first started When I first started, I was putting out content sporadically. It wasn't every day. It was around 2009, which is when uh, YouTube opened up this partner program thing where you could basically get ad revenue because they would run ads on your videos. That's when that started. And you had to apply to actually have YouTube put ads on your videos, believe it or not, people who don't know that. So when I applied, you could you had basically had to sell yourself to them so that they would say yes. So what I told them was I'm going to put out a video every day and I didn't know if I had enough ideas to put out a video every day. I thought I would run out after about a month. But the thing is, once you do know about 10 of those, then you do 20 and 30. What happens is you start putting ideas together. And uh, this guy named James Altucher, I first heard him talk about the concept of idea sex. Ideas start having sex and they have little idea babies. So you take idea number two and idea number 17, you put them together and now you have a new idea. And then when you start putting that material out, as well, because you have an audience, All right, they're going to give you feedback. They're going to say, okay, that was cool, but what about this? Now there's another idea. Or they'll say, well, I tried that, but it didn't work because this happened. Now your answer to that question, instead of just talking to them, and this is something that I've always done, whenever someone asks me a question, and I think there's at least one other person on the planet who might have that same question, I make a piece of content so that everybody gets the answer to the question. And then as you're talking so often, I mean, when you put out material as much as I do, Sometimes just when you're talking about whatever you're talking about, you think of something else just because of the the fact that you're doing so much. You think of something else to say, oh, you know, I need to make content about that. No, I need to address that. Or I just said something there that people might not get exactly what I mean. So I'll make a piece of content so I can explain that. So it kind of just starts to serve itself as you keep doing it. You don't have to come up with this brand new idea every single day, like pulling a rabbit out of a hat. Your audience will help you out. You will help yourself out because when you talk that much on something that you understand and you have some passion about, you're eventually going to say some stuff that you didn't even know you were going to say. Some things you didn't think you were thinking. And then you're like, you know what? I need to make something about that. I need to address that. 
And every time somebody asks you a question, actually, I heard somebody say this. I forget the guy's name, but I was listening to uh, what is that guy's name? I can't remember the host of the show, but I'll think of his name in a second. But anyway, he had a guest on his show. And what that man said was, if I get asked the question three times, I make a product answering the question. And I said, that's a genius idea. I'm going to steal that. And I started doing that. And I do that with content and I do it with products. If I get asked the same question three times, I know that a lot of people, three million people have that question. Let me address it and, and either sell it to you or give it to you for free, but I'm going to put it out there so my name's on it. I mean, a big part of content creation, at first when you're starting out, you just have to think of the ideas. You can go to a place like Quora or Reddit to see what people are saying because then you get a lot of different mm -hmm. content. That's the best way to do it if you want to have an audience tell you what to produce, but you don't yet have an audience. Quora and Reddit are really good for that. But eventually, you're going to get a stray mention. You're going to get the comments. You're going to get people asking questions. If you get three of the same question, that's a really great product because it indicates, like, you know, if three people ask the question, you probably have 30 people who have the question but just weren't willing to ask. But I want to mm -hmm. talk now about how you grew your platform because we're talking about millions of views, millions of listeners, how like you're pumping out content in the beginning, hoping something works, but what transformation led to those numbers? Was it a focus on the algorithm? Was it a collaborate? Like what worked for you to see those types of numbers? Yeah. So the first thing is I never focused on algorithm. If anything, the algorithm got mad at me because I used to utilize YouTube to just send people to my sales pages and they changed the algorithm to, to penalize people for doing it. So I definitely wasn't trying to uh, work the algorithm. What I was doing at first, Mark, was I wasn't even thinking about growing an audience. When I first started creating content, mind you, there were, we weren't even using phrases like social media, content, influencers, content marketing. Those phrases did not exist. So I was creating the material. Again, I was doing it whenever I got around to it, putting videos out because who cared about YouTube in 2007? Nobody. It was you no know, cat videos and you know, Johnny bit my finger. You know, that's all YouTube was back then. Nobody cared about it. It wasn't a thing. It wasn't a business, at least not for me. And so by the, by the time that they allowed the monetization of video, now I had already built up some momentum and I had a little bit of an audience and I saw that there was an underserved community out there and they were me 10 years earlier. These were the players who wanted to play basketball. They wanted to get better, but their problem was the same problem I had was that there was nobody out there to teach them. The advantage that they had over me 10 years earlier was that now they could go to the internet and crowdsource the answers to their questions. They could go on YouTube, whereas I just had to figure it out on my own. So because I had put in the, the blood, sweat and tears metaphorically to figure it out on my own, now I could cut down their learning curve and just pay it forward. And again, there was no, at first there was no money to be made from doing it for me, but there's a little bit of an ego boost when you know that people are coming to the internet to look at your stuff. Like you know that you're helping them out, even though it's not about making money. And then when the money got introduced, I said, okay, well, let me supercharge this and do even more. And then the players would ask me, hey, this is what eventually happened, Mark. It got to the point that I had so much video on YouTube about basketball that the players would say, well, Dre, I want to train like you do, but you have so many videos, I don't know where to start. So basically, the very thing that I was doing created a new problem. So they said, I don't know where to start. So can you help me organize? You know, where, what do I do first? What do I do second? And I didn't quite have an answer. But then one day I got a random comment on YouTube and somebody said, Dre, why don't you just take the workouts that you do every day and write it down and then put it out so everybody else could just work out how you do. 
And I said, OK, I could do that, but that would require a little bit of work and I would have to charge for it. Would you pay for it? And this is mine. This happened in the YouTube comments. And they said, yeah, we'll pay for it as long as you don't charge too much. Now, I knew what my audience was. My audience was 13 to 24 year old, mostly males who are basketball players. So I know they don't have a ton of money. So I started selling programs for four dollars and ninety nine cents. Basketball training programs, how to dribble the basketball, seven day dribbling program, shooting program, how to dunk the ball, how to do post moves, how to jump higher. That's how I started. And I still sell those programs to this very day. And that's really how I started building my audience was just that I would hear a lot of basketball players would reach out to me, parents, coaches, players. And they would say, look, Dre, I know about you because when I go on YouTube and I look up anything for basketball, you keep coming up. Now, every time I look, every time I look, your videos are coming up. So I see what you're doing. And even then, even in the transitioning, going into entrepreneurship, a lot of basketball players who play pro now or guys who are retired and they're into other worlds, they would say, you know, people would always tell them, like, you want to see somebody who played ball, but then they transitioned and did something else. Look at this guy. And they would all be pointing to me because they saw that I, I started to make a business out of what I was doing. I wasn't just a, a basketball player. I was no, more than an athlete before we were calling it that. You know, so I was doing that stuff and you know, putting my stuff and putting my brand out there, transitioning into the business world. And that's really how I built my audience was just that I dominated the space from 2005 up through 2000 and let's say 13. If you looked up a basketball video on YouTube, you had no choice but to see Dre Baldwin. That's how I, I just put out so much material that you couldn't look up that subject without seeing my name. Now there's a lot more people out there, of course, but that's how I got started. And hopefully that answers your question. I mean, a lot of people, they do focus on the algorithm nowadays, but if you aren't pumping out mm -hmm. content, you don't give yourself as many opportunities to get discovered. Like if you take an algorithm optimized approach, but you're only publishing one piece of content per month. If that one piece of content falls flat, you pretty much have to wait until the following month. But since Dre is publishing daily videos, he, like if one of the videos falls flat, it's not as big of a deal for him because he has tomorrow's video, which can give him that extra boost that the video from before didn't. So just this idea of producing so much content, it does give you an advantage. And I do want to also go back to Dre mentioned the $4.99 trainings. You got a lot of training courses. Uh, you see some of them like $2,000 or you see the $200 Demi course that people only buy when price gets cut down to $10. But I love that Dre mentions that he knew his audience was aged 13 to 24 and you're not going to be able to charge high prices for that group. Like it's not something you see as often. So the fact that not only did Dre address his audience, but he really thought like what is going to be the price point that they can readily afford for this type of training being able to look in your audience that way will give you an advantage with any product you create absolutely and that was it was a key thing for me i just wanted to make it easy for them to get and at the same time you know i'm playing pro ball at that time so i didn't really i wasn't looking at it like all right how much money do i need to make off of this you know i already had an audience i was already getting some ad revenue I already had a, a full-time thing that I was doing was playing basketball. So I wasn't really worried about the, how much revenue am I going to get, but those products sold really well, you know, and then YouTube, you know, flipped their algorithm to stop people from like me from using them as an ad platform. But <laughs> the whole point was, I just wanted to make sure I could serve those players. And 
And I absolutely did that. And these days, even to this day, Mark, I get players reaching out to me. I actually just posted one on Instagram today. The kid said, Dre, I used to watch you when I was 13. Now I'm 23. You know, I don't play basketball anymore, but I grew up with your stuff. You know, and they see me doing other things now. And it was really just about making an impact because that impact will pay back in other ways that you're not even aware. Had people come to my live events who are grown men now. They used to watch me when they thought they were going to the NBA. And now they're doing other things. So the impact lasts a long time. I mean, it's amazing when you create content, you don't have any idea of the people you're impacting unless they come up to you and say it like the ripple Absolutely. you create from your content is incredible, uh, which is something that I mentioned because if you're a content creator, like, you know, it could feel lonely sometimes where especially if you do the work from home. Uh, but just think about there are people reading your content like you see like uh, one download or five visitors. Those are people who are taking the time to engage your content who you could be impacting. Just wanted to mention that really quick. Dre, I know that YouTube was the place where you got started, but now you've got the daily podcast work on your game. Can you tell us a little bit mm -hmm. why you decided to start that show after already having the YouTube channel? Yes, because I was, I was on someone's podcast, uh, this guy named Scott, Scott Jones. He had a show called Athlete on Fire. And I was just a guest on the show and we were talking whatever we were talking. And he said, Dre, I like kind of the stuff that you're talking about. Would you be willing to do a couple guest spots on my show? After my guest appearance, he said, would you record a couple of your own things, maybe 10, 15 minutes, and I'll post it on the feed of my show. And I did a couple for him. And he said to me, Dre, you start your own podcast. You have plenty of material. You have the, the assets. You have the brand. You should have your own podcast. And the reason I had not started one, because I knew about podcasting at the time. This is maybe 2016. I knew about podcasting, but I thought it was too complicated to do, like the tech side of it. I said, I don't know about any of that tech stuff. And he explained to me how easy it was. He said, all you need to do is get a microphone. You can use Audacity, which is free software to record your audio. And then you just get an RSS feed. An RSS feed just made my head explode. I didn't know what that meant. So he explained that to me. It was very simple. You can get on those SoundCloud, Libsyn, one of those platforms. He explained it to me. And that's when I started my podcast. And the first thing I thought to myself was how I'm going to separate myself from everybody else who's podcasting. Because even in 2016, there were a lot of people doing it. And I'm thinking, what's going to make mine different from everybody else's? And the idea was pretty, it came to me pretty quickly. Because the way that I got known on YouTube was, yo, this guy puts out a basketball video every day. I said, okay, I'm going to do the same thing in podcasting. I'm going to put out a video every single uh, episode every single day. And I've done that since 2016. As a matter of fact, we are creeping up on them about two weeks away from episode 2000, Mark, 2000 straight days of putting that show out. And people have told me, a lot of people have reached out to me and said, Dre, I watched you on YouTube, but your podcast is, is your best work. And I think the reason why people say that is because I'm not a video editor. I hate editing videos. So if you look at my videos on YouTube, you'll notice that there's hardly any editing that has taken place. None. So I've never been into video editing. It's too time consuming. I don't like doing it. And I've never even bothered to hire anybody to do editing for me. It's too much content. But the audio is just you talking. It's just your voice. And your voice is the only, um, what's the word? The only uh, variable factor. Variable. Yes. The only variable. Right. The only variable is your voice. And I have a pretty good speaking voice. At least I think I do. Somebody told me I did. So that if I'm only using my voice and I have an audio editor, but he doesn't have to do a ton of work. That is, I think, why people really like it. And 
because with a podcast, you have a captive audience. When someone's watching a YouTube video, they might be looking at the screen. They might not. They're doing something, doing something else. But with podcasting, I'm with people where they're in their car or while they're doing their workout or while they're taking their morning walk or while they're washing the dishes or while they're getting ready in the morning. And people tell me when they listen to the podcast. So it's actually a more intimate experience with a podcast episode versus a YouTube video. So I think all of those factor in to and also because I think I'm pretty good at explaining things out and logically explaining my points of view. I think all of those things factor into why people like the podcast so much. And I tell people all the time, if you you put a gun to my head and tell me I have to drop all media platforms and I can only stick with one, I'm keeping the podcast over everything. I mean, that's a really great analysis and congrats on approaching 2000 episodes, but like I do YouTube podcasting as well. YouTube, I do talk about stocks from time to time and it requires a lot of editing to show different charts. And anytime you got Mm -hmm. a news article, you want to show that like it's more editing intensive while this interview that you're listening to right now, like all the editing I'm going to do is I'm going to cut out the beginning few seconds where it's like, you know, in between my first word and the very last word that we speak together. I'm going to cut everything that goes after that. And my editing's over. Podcasting is a lot less time intensive on the editing side versus video for the majority of creators who pursue both of those platforms. But regardless of whether you're into video or you're into podcasting, Dre has a lot of content waiting for you. His work on your game podcast, we will throw that in the show notes. But Dre, are there any other places we go to keep following your work and learn how we can work on our game. Oh, of course. Well, I'm on every platform. So I'm on everything. So I'm on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, TikTok. I'm not that active on TikTok, but I have a, I have a, my name's on every single platform. So anyone you're on, there's a new one called Wisdom. There's Clubhouse. Yeah, I'm on Wisdom's like it's like Clubhouse with live streaming audio, but they actually save it. So now every time you go live, it actually saves on the app. So I'm on all of those. And the one that I'm probably the most active, most popular right now is probably Instagram. So my Instagram is at Dre Baldwin. And Mark, I do have a free book that I give anyone if they just covered shipping. Can I tell people about that? Yeah, definitely. All right. So that's my newest book here. It's called The Third Day, The Decision That Separates the Pros from the Amateurs. And this book is really all about what we've been talking about here, showing up every day and delivering, even on the days that you don't feel like delivering. That's what we call the third day. That first day you're excited is brand new. Second day, a little bit less, but still feel good. By the third day already, it's a habit, it's a routine. You realize that it's not all fun and games. It's actually a job. That's the third day. And what you do in that moment is what determines how far you're going to go by the the 2000th day, like we've been talking about here. So I'll give anyone who's listening a free copy of this book, paperback version. All you have to do is cover the shipping at thirddaybook.com. It's spelled out thirddaybook.com. Well, Breakthrough Success listeners, make sure you get a copy of Dre's book. Check out his YouTube podcast, Instagram, all those other platforms to learn how to work on your game. Dre, thank you so much for joining us on Breakthrough Success. It was a pleasure to have you here today. Same here, Mark. I appreciate you sharing the platform.